Hello, and welcome to the AgTech So What podcast. Emerging technologies are rapidly changing the global agricultural industry, and we believe that this revolution is only getting started. But there's still too much hype out there and too big of a disconnect between ag and ag tech. So on this show, we try to bridge that gap. In each episode, we bring you the story of a different innovator in agriculture and try to find the place where ag and tech meet. I'm your host, Sarah Nolette. Welcome back to the Ag Tech So What podcast. My name is Sarah Nolette from AgAuthentic. Today's chat is with Anthony Rudd. Uh, he works for a company called iAg out in the Griffith area of New South Wales, where I was fortunate enough to visit a couple weeks ago. Uh, this uh, conversation, I, I had a bit of an experiment. I just um, called Anthony and then hit record, and, and we just started chatting. Um, so we then did a bit of editing over to, to kind of cut out some parts and, and help shape it into something uh, for you guys, the listeners. Um, so a bit different than the kind of normal, um, straightforward question and answer format, just did a bit more of a chat. Um, but hopefully it's, it's really valuable. I um, loved hearing from Anthony's experience. He's worked in the precision ag space for a long time and, and really understands both the technology side uh, and how hard it is to, to build technology, but also the, the grower side and uh, some of the challenges around adoption um, and, and just getting started with how to make use out of data uh, in, in this space, uh, which is not, not an easy thing yet, unfortunately. Uh, so I hope you enjoy this uh, conversation with Anthony as, as much as I did. G'day, how are you? Hey, I'm well, how are you? Oh, I'm good. Super casual in the home office, which is good. Um, I know, I do it every day. Yes, it's, oh, every day you work from home. Yeah, yeah. And I hate this time of year because I spend a lot of time in the office and I'm sick of being here. Oh, so you want to get out and do stuff? I do, yes, yes. I've only got a couple <laughs> of weeks to go and I'll, you won't be able to, you won't see me, so. Yeah. Once we start um, getting close into cotton pick and that sort of stuff will be... A lot uh, more hectic. Yeah, right. Um, tell me about that. What do you do during cotton pick? So generally, we, we've got, last year we managed about 40 different pickers, contractors, and um, and just uh, uh, growers. Yep. Um, and so we ensure that they've got some data standardization happening, and we import a lot of field boundaries and um, uh, into my John Deere, and then... And then do normally do what we do is a, a master file. So we create a master file that goes into their, either their picker or their contractor's picker, which has all their field names and field boundaries, hectares and so forth. So it just makes it a lot easier for everybody to manage their own data. Yeah. Right. It's just a funny setup with John Deere. So I don't know whether you know much about cotton and the gin, but the picker's generate a, uh, a module, so to speak. Um, that's those big round yellow bales. Yep. Um, and they're all individually RFID tagged. Okay. So, so yeah, so the, the picker actually generates a, 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 just a normal text file that has a list of all the fields um, and all the modules that were picked in that field. So when the modules go back across the way bridge at the gin, um, they've actually already got um, those farms and fields in their system. 
So the RFID reader just recognises where that uh, where that module came from, so which grow it was, which farm it came from, and which field it came from. Um, and then that data then is once it's once everything's picked and it's it's um, it's available in uh, its text form, it'll go to the gin just for some cross referencing. So um, and then they can actually what they can do then is it work out how many modules came sorry how many bales came from each module so and and then we can see where each module was picked in a field right so there's there's and you combine that with your yield map you get to you get a pretty good picture um of how the field the field performed once you combine that obviously with your gin data and your turnout and so forth so Right. And when you say, um, uh, well, this whole system, is this a combination of different providers and need someone like you to set it all up? Or is this like one kind of thing? It's one, it's one, one thing, but it's a combination of different users. Yeah, sure. Uh, so yeah. So from grower, contractor to gins. So over the last few years, especially with three new gins here, we spent a lot of time training gin staff. Yep. Um, so there's a there's a the my John Deere website allows for a lot of um, data sharing so what's actually happening is data's being created in real time and the gins receiving that data wirelessly um, practically instantaneously so so data they've got there before modules turn up makes it easier so. yeah right Huh. Um, so I want to um, back up and ask some one-on-one stuff just about you and, and Niag and, um, yep. and then I imagine, I mean, I could ask about that stuff all day, but, but <laughs> probably <laughs> no, no. Um, have to move on. <laughs> start at the beginning. Um, no, I mean, I literally could just go down a rabbit hole of questions and it's, it's maybe not a good idea. Um, so yeah, I might um, just ask, I mean, some of this stuff's basic, but um just have you tell us a little bit about um, who you are and how you got involved in this um, and yeah, kind of, kind of your background or origin story. Yeah. So back in um, 2008, I started with the local or the Griffith um, John Deere dealership as the very first integrated solutions manager in Australia, which was interesting. Um, were there ones in other countries, but just not Australia? Yeah, it was, it was. The concept was extremely new. It had been tested extensively, I think, in the states. Mm-hmm. Um, from, from what I recollect, I think there was an appointment of me and probably, you know, half a dozen other um, positions across the country in specific dealerships. Um, so, integrated solutions was really the joining of tech to to the dealership and to the grower so um john d obviously had a they had a fairly extensive business model that um focused around integrated solutions or or tech um, solutions uh for growers and we i suppose they needed to move beyond just pure um guidance uh gps guidance and moving into um, you know, machine autom- automation and um, into data, data collection and data generation. Uh, so technology ch- sort of changed extremely rapidly for those first two or three years. Um, within the dealership, they needed somebody to, or a department to join all those, 
all those different departments together. So joining sales and service and and parts um, back into that integrated solutions scenario. So training was available um, for for the staff members on new product, um, new tech, um, new software. Uh, also, um, and that that was across the board. In obviously, when there's new software, there's new hardware, and so parts came into into play there, and also service and and um, and sales, who are obviously selling the new new product. Um, when you were doing that, sorry to interrupt you. When when in that role, was that for one dealer, or were you working across those? No, that was that was purely for ANG engineering, ANG machinery in um, in Griffith. Yeah. Um, because what had happened is John Deere had just changed their business model or their structure a little and they introduced some um, some tech phasing or some dealership phasing. So you had to actually achieve some certain levels of knowledge before you were actually allowed to um, to sell certain types of products. Um, some of those products were, were um, implemented um, guidance and and I grade, which is some landforming software. Uh, so, yeah, that was sort of the the beginning. Um, and then we, we we I spent sort of five or six years there until the new owners took over. And um, when I'd, re- I'd developed a heap of really good relationships with with a with a lot of growers, and I didn't want to lose them. <laughs> And so we sort of thought, well, gee, what have we, what have we, and we also noticed that there were some massive gaps in, in this, in, in that space at that time anyway. And we also saw, I also saw a lot of growers struggle, get frustrated, you know, just keeping up with, with tech and ideas and battling with like social media and, and other sort of uh, media outlets telling him you should be doing this and, or lots of other new players coming into the market as well. So it was really, really, uh, and it's, and still is a really difficult sort of space to navigate for, for the poor old growers. So we thought we might've been able to help in that, um, in that space and um, probably try and, um, and um, actually develop a little bit of software that may help along the way. Um, so that was sort of the that was the beginning of a company we called it um, ETAD Data. Um, then I got tied up with um, uh, Chinese company uh, the, the building a transfer station at, just out at Wumblegal near Griffith. And they were the first people in the world to actually export China to well, export cotton in its raw form, so unginned. Mm. Um, and that was that was quite challenging for sort of. 12 or 18 months trying to get things done through government departments and MICOR. And so a lot, I learned a lot more about cotton itself during that time. Um, and we developed some software to track their, um, their modules through the transfer station and obviously into containers and across to China. Um, and so this so, yeah, was all we, as um, as that second business. This is outside of the the John Deere world. This is yeah. This is just my, me as myself. Yeah, I actually be, I actually became a uh, a government authorized um, inspection officer for for cotton for export as well. So um, that was just part of something sort of we had to do a gap we had to fill. But um, I feel yeah, like that was a, 
there's a number of leaps here from, you know, you just casually say, and then, you know, I started a company and then we built software and then we exported to China. Like, well, it, it sort of was a bit like that. Um, it was, it was an interesting, it was an interesting time. There was a changeover of, of obviously the ownership of that John Deere business, which is quite influential, quite large in the region. Um, but I, you know, I also had all these growers ringing me saying, what can I do here? How am I going to fix this? Um, can you give me some advice here? Uh, and sort of just sort of really just, it really just sort of snowballed a little bit from there. So and what was the kind of common, sorry, I keep interrupting you, but what was the yeah. kind of common question? Was it like a specific, like, I can't get this thing to talk to this thing? Or was it like, I'm hearing all about this stuff. Where do I start? Or what were they asking? There was a quite a large range, um, but the, the common theme mainly was I've bought this piece of equipment. The dealer and the salesman told me it would do this um, and it doesn't. Um, we, we can't get it to work. And so there's, there's, there's a lot of investigation goes into those sorts of scenarios and it becomes a, a trial and error. And because a lot of the tech was really new, couldn't get much help from the dealer either or the reseller. Um, and there, and there was lots of attempts to, to try and, and uptake some tech, but also generate some data and create some, some, some usage for it that failed, uh, miserably, uh, just due purely to the lack of knowledge and, and lack of knowledge on both parts. So lack of knowledge from the grower and also lack of knowledge from the reseller. So the grower really didn't, once again, we, we just go in blind and we believe what our salesman tells us. And he obviously believes what he's telling you, but he may not be fully aware of what's going on. And I had a really good insight into this when I worked with ANG Machinery with John Deere. And that was a, a, a massive issue. Um, so it really made it. Tell me about that. Like I'm, it's, it's funny, right? How at some point someone knows and then it gets passed down the chain and, and someone doesn't know anymore. Like how, how does that actually, is it, is it an organizational thing or a tech thing or? Um... It's definitely, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an organizational thing and it's a cultural thing. So it's probably, if you look at the, the, say the model of the, the modern salesman, machinery salesman who gets paid to sell big ticket items in machinery um, and gets paid a commission to do that. But when you're looking at that, the back end tech stuff. So if you're looking like looking at um, application controllers and and just um, uh, screens and GPS gear, there, there's not a there's not a huge amount of money in it. So if I'm a salesperson and I'm looking at a, a commission from a sale of this big big tractor being so many thousands of dollars and commission from the sale of this little bit of um, AMS hardware and software. I'm probably going to focus on the on the tractor sale rather than on the on the software sale. And plus, look, I, I take my hat off to to the machinery salespeople to, to do that job and to know the product that's coming out, even just from a machinery side of things, is is extremely extremely difficult. Um, there's a there's a lot of product, and and machinery is so technical and so precise these days. It's really difficult for, for these guys to know everything. And I suppose in a way, the integrated solutions department was put there to remedy that in a way. 
Um, so it was, it was a reference point for salespeople and their, and their clients to get the information that they needed. Um, so as we went along in that journey, we, we actually started to reduce the, the number of issues and the number of um, calls that it, and, and time it took up for the, for the service or tech department to, to try and fix. So it was, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting scenario. There's, there's no real blame. The, the growers really got to take responsibility for what they're looking at. Um, yeah. it's, but, it's such an interesting, um, like incentive question. Like it's the, it's a kind of classic, like buyer beware, seller beware dynamic, but it's also, um, like where does the, like the responsibility sort of shifts. I know in the, in the software world, it's, it was an interesting change where, you know, it used to be that the seller had all the information like around a, a car or a piece of software or whatever. And then with yep. the internet, you can just research everything. And so the kind of buyer has more information. Um, but it's, it's interesting because when it gets super complicated, you kind of need information to exist on both sides and, and then who has the incentive to get and give really good information. Yeah. And, and the other issue is, is, is really the language. Um, that's used in tech and, and it's extremely foreign for, for your normal everyday grower uh, and for them to just understand what the terms mean. You know, it's, it's, it's difficult and it, take, it takes some time to, to, to learn those things. And if you're, not, if you're not tech savvy and you're not really, you know, I suppose in that generation that is extremely tech savvy, you, you really struggle just with the language. Yeah. I mean, I sort of think about like when I go to my mechanic to get my car fixed and I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. And I don't know like how these parts fit together. <laughs> and I feel it. like I'm a smart person and I can, you know, get, get how systems work. And, um, but, but I don't know what you're saying. And I'm frustrated that I want to trust you, but I don't trust you. And yes. um, I don't speak your language. It's the same kind of thing I imagine. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's very similar. And it, 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 um, it, it will change those sorts of, that sort of, situation will change over time as we have we as we move through generations and obviously the the next generation of of farm or a grower will be much more tech savvy yeah um but the the issue that we have we're having at the moment is we we're, we're falling behind and we're missing so much um in a situation where we where there's there's some solutions there that can really that can really help um when you say and we're I, missing stuff, you mean like there's good stuff out there, but we're not getting it in the hands of growers? No, not so much from, from that point of view. We're, we're, we're just missing data. The growers are missing data. So, so really, if you, look at, if you look at the so-called um, data value proposition, uh, don't get me started on that. Um, yeah, you're going into buzzword land. Yes. Uh, there is... The, 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 there's, there's, two, there's two types of value here. You've, you've got your short term and your, obviously your long term. Um, so data history, it's, it's, it's undervalued. It's really, really, really important. And as we move forward, as we, as we keep moving along, the more of the, that we miss, that we don't record and we don't keep, the, the, the harder it is to catch up. Um, and, and really, precision ag... Is, is more about getting into a getting into a um, situation where you can actually start being proactive and start modelling, maybe you know looking at conditions and what's going to happen, and and being able to remedy those issues before before they come, or before you find them, because you know 
the history of that field or with that crop and, it, and in these type of conditions. And while we're not capturing that, it just it gets, you get keep put back and put back and put back and put back. And um, I, I, it worries me because I, I know in other parts of the world, you know, the data capture is extremely, extremely important. And I, I think um, as, as we move forward and, you know, what's going to happen in the next 20 years as far as the population is concerned and, and food and pressure on everybody to do more with less, the key really is, is in PA and data. And, we, you yeah. know, we, we've probably, we've done as much as we possibly can at this stage with, with, with plant research. So we're looking for other places to find those, those, um, those gains. You said there were two aspects. So that's the long-term one. And I think it's fascinating because you get into questions of, you know, is the government going to mandate that that data get collected for the benefit of food security and, and like some really interesting um, broader issues that, that get brought into play. But mm-hmm. what's the, the short-term side of that? The short-term is, is purely just being able to make some decisions in a timely manner um, and being able to collaboratively um, make decisions with your, with your agronomy partners. I think that's really important, um, uh, being able to exchange information or data quickly, um, knowing that the data that's been generated has, has got some um, integrity. Yep. obviously um but yeah it's being able to make those those everyday on farm practically decisions that you know make make it easier and give give people give growers more confidence to, to know that yeah i i can see this is the pattern this is what i need to do um and also from a from an agronomy point of view gee you know good quality data sets at, at timely has you know really helps those guys help the growers back um but that that that, that, it needs to be it needs to be have some integrity it needs to be collected and it needs to be shared whereas technology now we we can do all that that that, those things are easy but you'll find a large percentage of, of growers just don't know where to start yeah. So this gets into um, some of the work that, that you've been doing around kind of that, how to get started and, and some of the case studies, which is, is kind of how we met. But, but I want to connect the dots. So um, I totally interrupted you on your story about starting to build some software, um, which uh, is, is not easy to do. Did, did you figure out how to write software? Did you hire a company to write software? How did you even do that? <laughs> we, we hired somebody, <laughs> um, a, a developer. Um, and nothing, nothing against developers, but gee, what a what a what a nightmare. Um, <laughs> uh, the 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 issue that I've had all along w- with with that part of development, especially just the, the purely software development, is um, I mean it's a lot open with with web based applications and so forth. It's more open than what it what it ever has been. But it, it, where we're going to go to in the next 10, 15 years is is really we look at when we're looking at machine or autom- automation and and IoT and and it's very very hard to plan when you're building software in that regard to plan for say things like IoT. Yeah. And, sure. and, and that's that, that that sensor data is really going to be a, a big part of what of 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 the process. So 
Help we, me just, I think, um, I, I think I know what you mean, but, but for myself and, and so, um, if we put this out there on, you know, for listeners, explain what you mean by that. So internet of things. So the way we, the way we, we, we collect data or right now is really is brand orientated. Everything's fitted in the machine. Um, you, you purchase your modem or whatever. It's all, all brand orientated. Um, and the sensor data that we collect actually comes through through the machine. Um, so we're looking at when we look at other things that aren't machine based, like take um, take uh, soil moisture data for for an example. We really want to be able to integrate that data straight into whatever whatever we're doing, whatever software we're using, and it'll take some Internet of Things um, hardware and some machine learning software to actually, um, to actually get the full benefit of that. So it's, it's, um, it's really important that when we look down the track, we, we're, we're really thinking, forward thinking and thinking, okay, well, what's the next thing that's going to come up? And, and when we start talking about the internet and, and you know, uh, signal and so forth, and we, we know that's an issue everywhere, um, there are... There are some simple solutions for that now, but they involve those that type of um, hardware and software. Yeah. So it it, um, it it really needs to be considered. So if you if you build a closed um, website with that can generate a map and whatever you need it to do, um, you find it very difficult on the back end to try and integrate some of that new tech and some of that new sensor data. So we, we, we try to we want to keep it open as we possibly can. Um, so we've we've going back to your first question. Yeah, we 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 definitely went down the track of a, um, a developer, um, but we actually changed track and uh, we're actually using some web services now. So the software that we have will ingest any any data type. So it doesn't matter what type of file it is. It's not, it's, it's not, it's colorblind. So it doesn't matter if it's come from red or green or, or whatever. Um, and we can then, instead of a, a grower having to buy a full software package that, 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 you know, you pay thousands of dollars a year for that you use probably 5% of, you can actually pull in modules, a little blockchain-ish, where you can pull in a module that will generate a map for you for that instance, or you can pull in a module that will generate a report for you um, instead of actually. So I, I suppose it's really more tailor made to suit the growers needs rather than here's a big bunch of data in this um, software package. You're probably not going to use the back backend um, uh, financial part of things. You use something else for that. Um, right. So, yeah, that's that's been a real issue. That's why it's been really difficult for growers to find a, a software package that really suits them, because most of them just want to be able to open up a open up a, um, a yield map and read it, or and create some zones and maybe maybe do a prescription type scenario and um, and send it back to the machine. So, and, um, and so what one thing that's um, like I guess the other side of that is if as a developer as a company building these tools, if you don't um, sell all of the tool but you had to build all of the tool then how do you make money um, that's right so what's the kind of business model side of this because um, there's definitely a trade-off there oh there always is um 
and I think the business model is 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 more it's probably more rather than less so um, because we can because we can develop this in a much cheaper way it's obviously much more affordable for for the end user um, and because the end user can then pick and choose which modules he wants to put together to suit himself he then um, he then gets better benefit yeah so can you like let's go through an example because I think it's um it's it's sort of easy to talk about at the high level but like what's like walk me through like a I, I pick how to use a module and then what do I do is there an agronomist involved like just to, like a simple kind of yeah. story or use case yeah so all those options are available so uh, data sharings you know and I use that term really extremely broadly um, but for a grower he's data he's mainly sharing his data with his agronomist. So, so having a, a normal um, uh, username, password, access scenario with um, with access levels uh, to to that to that to that specific site for that specific grower um, is really important. Uh, and then, obviously, if I'm if I'm just you know, like most growers where my data really does, I don't really see it. My grower, my, my, my agronomist comes and collects it for me. Um, and, but he takes it away. I'll never see it. Those sorts of scenarios. So if we can for start with say just a, a pure storage module. So growers can use just, can actually just use it just for storage and, and you, and it'll only give you that option. But then if I want to say, okay, I want to be able to share, we can bring that, um, that case model in and then we can add users to that site. Then if we want to, um, and I think that's the most important thing. There's been a lot of focus on being able to ingest this data, have a look at the map, um, generate um, zones and so forth. But that, that's not happening very much. The, the agron growers agronomists are doing those sorts of things for them and being, uh, being able to share between each other really quickly and easily is really important. And also being able to keep a original raw file of your data is really important because say a comparison now, if you use other software, say you've, you've got a file off your machine and you put it in mind your deer or you go to SST or you go to Trimble, as soon as the data has gone into that, that um, software and it's been aggregated it's changed forever and effectively if you don't keep that that raw data somewhere you, it's lost so it's it tends to and start to answer a couple of those little um those little questions about data ownership and um, um data sharing as well so i i believe digress here sorry no 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 so, it's good it's, it's interesting i guess i'm trying to um i'm trying to get my head around how much of this is um, theoretical and how much of it is like, this is software we've built or this is software that, that you guys advise that others can use. Um, so how much of this, cause I'm trying to connect it back to, to your yeah. story, which, which I'm now. No, th that's fine. So we're at a stage we've built, we've built the base, the base software. So we, um, we can, it'll ingest data from anywhere um, and any type. Uh, you can store it safely. Um, and you can also share it with whoever you want to share it with at the moment. In a few weeks, we'll have uh, the, the map generation module 
available. So you can either choose to have that map generation module with you all the time. So that's just another set of software, it's just another bunch of software that um, will take that, that file, no matter what it is, and ingest it and create a map out of it. So say a yield map. Then you could, or you can also choose to have that data aggregated off site. So you can send it back to the, um, the, uh, the server and have it aggregated in, in the server and, and sent back to you. So there's a couple of different choices there. That's, that's available now. So, and, and when you say we and, and available, is this which company is bringing you this? Like, who, I can't who's say. Oh, okay. This is a company you're working with, a secret company that you're working with. <laughs> yes, uh, they're not. They're not very secret. They're quite large, but right, okay. um, but uh, the but and that's well, exactly. They have to at the moment. Right. Okay. So I don't want to get anybody into trouble. Sure. So fair enough. So, um, but, and, and that was a that was a. a, a a bit of a fluke relationship us coming across that uh, as well. So, which I'll tell you about off air at some stage. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so you've been involved in this space a while. I'm, I'm curious, actually, some of the timeframes here, because when you were talking about your work um, back in the in John Deere land with integrated solutions, um, yep. kind of, kind of when was that? Um, what was the time frame there? So that was 2008 to uh, 2000. And 13. Okay. And, and I imagine the, um, well, I'm curious, has the conversation evolved since then? Are you still getting the same kind of phone calls or is same it... phone calls, same really? phone calls, mate. Yeah. And, and what needs to change? Like how, how do we fix this problem? So if you look at, so part of this case study with IRAC was we, we really needed to have a, a deeper look at this and not so much, the tech side of things, but the, the motivation and the attitudes that growers had. And just and before you get into that, tell us who IREC is. So Irrigation, Irrigation Research and Extension Committee in our region, who are a, um, a grower membership committee, committee um, headed by uh, Rob Houghton and, and Eva Carissa. You guys went and had a look at the uh, trial site. So they've been responsible for a lot of um, uh, plant research and crop research over the last number of years. Um, uh, yeah. Work very closely with CRDC and, and um, um, Cotton Australia and, and, and a few other um, uh, government-born um, um, agencies. But So you guys um, were, were setting out to solve the kind of where do we get started problem or how do we... Yeah, yeah, yeah well... We exactly, and it was more. It was more the let's 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 have a look at why there hasn't been an, an adoption. We know there's an adoption problem, and but let's let's really have a look at what at why. And and um, so we sort of was we're a little bit lucky. Mid last year, I ran some um, cotton picker uh, or some data management training for cotton, and a heap of growers from IREC came along. It was for IREC and. And after that, the conversation started and everybody starts, oh, well, we should do this and we should do that. And um, then I had a good chat to Rob and, and, and Eva and, and we, we, all, we all knew that there, that there was this elephant in the room. And, and even when I was running the cotton picket, the data management training, you can really see some blank faces. And, and, I, and I, I'm, it's as basic as basic, the training. And, and I'm thinking, God, there's something, there's something else that's underlying here. There's no motivation, you know. And 
So when we when we started to so we, we we created the my data management um, case study project and we we put together eight growers across from across the region with different um, levels of of adoption um, and also a few different types of crops and and also growers that have had some history in the region uh, um, and but also growers that we knew didn't have a data value proposition issue. The growers that might have thought they were mad at the time that were still keen and eager to push on with their precision ag quest, even though they'd been browbeaten <laughs> <laughs> over the over the last ten or fifteen years and and you know, but were still would still had the drive to to move forward with it. Uh, that was a little uh, difficult. Um, but we, we put together these um these eight growers who are fantastic guys and we um yeah we we put together a set of um of baseline questions for them and their agronomy partners uh and we filmed uh all the the actual interviews uh just to get uh, uh an idea of exactly where where people were at you know um and it was and so a little what, confronting. What of, sorry to interrupt you again. What kinds of things did you ask them? Like, give me a couple example questions. So it was a lot of it was based around um, their attitudes towards data and data collection, and so th simple questions like, "Do you, where do you see data in your business and data management in your business in the future? Do you see a future for it?" Um, and you know. Lots of other things like, you know, what are you using now? Um, do, are you sharing, are you collecting and sharing data now? Um, who's your agronomist? Are they collecting and sharing data for you? Um, just all those really baseline questions. Um, and a lot of them were, were, I suppose, angled to get a reaction from the experience that they'd already had in the past. Not what their, not so much what their expectation was, but but what their experience was in the past, because we already knew that their expectation was high for for PA and data management in the future, but we wanted to know why they hadn't why they hadn't moved towards it now. You know. Yeah, and what did you what did you find? What were some of the reasons? My, the, look, the major the major reason the major driver was just purely poor poor previous experience. So, so all the guys had. We made we made sure that they they'd all spent money, spent large sums of money, upgrading their upgrading their machinery and upgrading their um, data generation and collection hardware and software, their machine automation um, hardware and software, only to have a have a bad experience um, on the back end of that, um, and there were varying degrees or reasons why some were. Some were their own faults. Some were uh, reseller or dealership born, but but a lot of it was because no one no one could get any support and support, and there was no there was so much such a large knowledge gap um, for, for in in all areas, not just not just from one party, and then obviously frustration sets in. But also, I think we everybody went off a little half cocked and we started in the middle of the race. We didn't start at the start. So there was no really preparation for the business in the first place to, to become more digital. 
Right. And tell me about that. Like, what would that look like in the ideal case? And what does it look like in reality? So in reality, um, people are still using, some of our growers are still using Windows 7 to as operating software for their, for their computers. Um, a lot of guys can't link an email account to their phone. Um, although the internet scenario has gotten better, uh, we must admit over the last five or six years, um, the, the actual knowledge about, you know, just basic computer skills 101 is really, there's a really big gap there. Um, setting up um, updates, um, you know, all those normal things that I suppose probably you and I do more often because we're on our computers so much. Uh, that was there was, was there was a really it was quite startling. Um, and do you think it's just a, a kind of technical thing, or is there like an emotional like? Is it going back to my kind of mechanic example, like I get almost like I get almost ashamed that I don't know this stuff, and so I like don't want to deal with it. I'm just like I can't. It's too painful. Is there any of that kind of like? It's just it's so miserable, and I wish I knew, and I don't know, and so I just like don't want to deal with it. Um, definitely, De- look that that's that's definitely part of it. The other part of it is a time scenario. So every grower that you have sitting behind a desk looking at a computer is tapping his foot going, I should be outside doing something else. So there's, there's more of the acceptance that this is now part of your business. Um, and you need to, you need to take notice of this part of your business because if you don't fix this, this start here, so if you keep coming in here and you, and your laptop takes 30 minutes to load and every time you go into the internet, it drops out. Um, I, you know, every time you get to send an email, you, you can't get it to send. Yeah. No, I, I mean, yeah, it's, it's miserable. You want to just, um, get on with better things to do. And you know, it's like mm. the third time something goes wrong, you're like, all right, I'm done. Like <laughs> I'm done. I'm out of here. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, you and I both know that it's very easy. There are, there's some really simple solutions to those issues yeah, and it so may involve the, what do you do then? Do you kind of, how do you go about creating those solutions and getting them in the hands of, of the people that need them? Yeah. So the delivery is interesting because there are so many different um, scenarios, but I think the main thing we need to bear in mind is the, the, the number one, the first, the start of what we do is we, we really need to get the best out of what we've already got. So we don't want, we don't want to go be going to grow saying you've got to spend here. You've got to spend there. You know, you've, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. So um, let's let's take stock. So that what we did as part, as, as the first part of the case study was we also did a, a machine hardware and software audit. So we recorded uh, every piece of machinery, hardware and software that growers had. We recorded their, their um, serial numbers, their, their software versions. Um, so we, we could get a better picture of exactly what each grower had and uh, to offer at, at their at their disposal at, at this moment right now um, and and let's work with that to start with before we go looking too far into the future you know the guys once I said before the guys have a lot of people have spent money and bought hardware and software uh, but aren't getting the aren't getting the full benefit out of it right and, and so let's work with that first. And it, it, honestly, Sarah, it will be a step-by-step-by-step-by-step by step by step process 
that will event in a, in a, in, in a much, much easier, much more um, user-friendly way to, to, to start to generate, store, share, um, and use, use, use good data. So, you know, if you start to talk to one of the growers about data standardization, they, they look at you and go, well, what are you talking about? Right. And, and so you, you've really got to use, once again, you've got to use language that, you know, that people understand. Yeah. Um, which, which, you know, it, it sounds a little bit harsh in a way, but we really need to go back to that, to that. No, beginning. I mean, I think it's the same, like if, you know, I, I get this experience all the time, actually, when I talk to growers where um, we got to find that kind of common ground, because I could go off and talk about technology or venture capital or all that, and it would be totally, you know, foreign. And in the same way, they could talk about the, the nuances of, of cotton agronomy, and I would be totally lost. Yeah. So where do we find that kind of common ground? Middle ground. Uh, yeah. Where we can actually speak the same language. And, and how do you create good tools that, that help, even if you don't have a human there? Because I think... We, we need humans there in lots of cases, but there's a bunch of stuff that I think we need to be able to fix ourselves um, yes. and kind of get started before we get to the complex stuff where we might need humans or help. Because um, yeah, otherwise it's just right. expensive. Yeah, definitely. Definitely correct there. Look, and while we need, while we need, um, that, that won't change, Sarah. Um, it'll be the same way for a long time. It, the, that human intervention will, is has to be there. The, one of the other biggest, I suppose, the biggest biggest issue is the issue of support. And you know, the problem is when you when you sell hardware, software, um, you, you need to, you need to provide support, and and it's a cost. Yes. Uh, and 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 I think a lot of the a lot of the software development companies, especially in ag, are really struggling to get their head around. Uh, you know, I need to I need to provide a really really strong support service here. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, it, yeah. It, it's really interesting. Like a, a lot of the startups, um, especially that don't have, have an ag background, you know, get to the point of okay, I realize that I'm not going to sell all this on the internet, so I should probably go through a channel. Um, and yes. so I should probably, you know, connect with someone who has boots on the ground near my customers. And then the next kind of iteration we've seen is, well, uh, those guys that have boots on the ground, even if they have some kind of incentive to sell my product, they don't probably have an incentive to service it, which goes back to your point of, of incentives before where, um, you know, it's like, who, who's going to be there when it breaks? And um, how do you make sure that there's support throughout the life cycle, uh, not just when you sell it? And I think no one's really figured out how to crack that nut in the kind of digital tech data space um, well, and make money out of it. You're 100% right. And, and it's interesting too, it's, it's sort of, I suppose it's exaggerated by the fact that, that farmers work 24-7. So if I have an, an issue, a tech issue at 11 o'clock at night in my machine, I, I want to get it fixed. Um, and... Uh, who, who, who's going to answer my call at 11 o'clock at night? Um, and so it really, it makes it even harder because it's not a nine to five scenario. And obviously there's a, there's a massive, um, uh, I think there's a, a, a large skills shortage there and knowledge gap. So I think it's the, these sorts of um, resellers and developers and, and on-sellers are really struggling to find people that fit that space. Um, yeah. 
I was just at a um, conference this weekend. One of the big topics that came up was around um, education and kind of how do we get the next you know, generation of people who can help solve this problem because yes, it's technology, but it's also, you know, people in regional areas that have these skills and, and want to work in these jobs. Um, and, and that's not a, it's not like we have this ready set of talent and we're not using them. It's like that, that doesn't exist. Yeah. Look, it's, it's interesting, you know, as I've got a, a daughter in year 12 at school now and, and she's denied a, a, a daughter that's, you know, two years into university, but even the the ag subject at school is extremely outdated. Um, there's no, there's a lot of focus on on animal and plant health, but there's no focus at all on on um, on tech or on 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 data and and, and management. And um, maybe maybe that that needs to change as why well, as well. Um, yeah. I, I don't I don't know, but it. Um, yeah, it's it's there's definitely there's definitely a gap there at the moment. Do you do you see this? Um, you know, you're talking before about the new kinds of data collection. So whether it's IoT or or satellites or um, you know, kind of fully changing how that information collection, analysis, decision making, supply chain works, um, yep. do you think that will help. Like, because I'm I'm people talk about a world where um, you can remove some of the pain points here through technology and, um, you know, it can get set up faster, it can collect faster, analyze faster and get to a automated um, implementation of a decision, right? You can just kind of close the loop. Do you think that is, is going to happen? Is it coming soon? Are the same adoption challenges going to exist in that world? I don't think the same adoption challenges will exist in that world. I think I think that is definitely coming. Um, the t- time frame wise, you know, probably depending on what sort of execution or what sort of penetration you have with it, but probably you know maybe four to eight years. Um, I think I think things will change rapidly again. We've sort of had a little bit of a lull. There's been a lot of focus on back-end software and map generation software and, and farm management software. Um, I think uh, once, once, once growers realise that, um, that brand, big brand um, uh, development um, really hinges on, on, um, on market share, and that the development of software through those brand companies is for the purpose of controlling market share, not for the betterment of the grower. So I think once there's that realization takes a hold, things like IoT and other, other um, ways of collecting data and different sensors will, and obviously just normal general um, Technology advancements will 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 change rapidly, um, but I think I think you know I, I think there's a lot there now that that we could use that other sectors just haven't been game to sort of move into into that agricultural part because what, of um, the of fear. What's an example of that? So, if you look at um, so certainly some machine learning stuff and machine automation um, uh, application controllers yep. that have come from um, different, different non-brand uh, um, 
uh, developers that are probably more efficient, especially when you when you're talking about yield monitoring, so yield sensing. So the the yield sensing capabilities or monitoring capabilities of say your modern day cotton picker is still really hit and miss. Um, but there's technology there now that because um, um, we're still using micro oh, microwave sensors, so mass flow sensors um, have been around for you know quite some time now. Um, but I don't think you know there's there's some, there's hardware and software there now that we can sense yield much more mass flow, much more um, sensitively, much more more, um, I suppose, uh, taking, in, taking into consideration all the other variables like moisture and, uh, and uh, stopping and starting and, and um, trash and leaf and so forth. Um, so, but, but sort of has a, there hasn't been a movement towards ag with that tech. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I think as far as the adoption of satellite technology, we, we've, really, really, we've really taken that and run with it. Um, and obviously it's getting better and better all the time. Uh, but I, I, I think I was hearing somewhere on the news recently with some new tech coming out in that space as well. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that there's, there's technology in the marketplace now that just, I don't think we've, we've, there's certainly untapped from the, from the ag sector. That's for sure. Because we, we, we you know, we, We've really relied on the, these big brands to develop tech through through their machinery, and um, you know they've done a good job at that. Uh, don't get me wrong, um, but I'd like to see I'd like to see some more players. That's for sure. In, sure. Uh, in that tech division, yeah. One my one of my kind of last questions, I guess, are areas to explore is that, um, and you mentioned it before, the need for a human in the loop and the and really close relationship with an agronomist and, and even the role of agronomy. How, how do you see the kind of um, grower to agronomist relationship changing in, in the future? Yeah, well, I think it will. Um, data definitely provides um, uh, or brings with it um, responsibility. And uh, I think um, what it will do, I think the positive thing it will do is it will create a, a much more collaborative um, relationship between between grower and, and agronomy um, and I think it will also it will also it will also I suppose without without trying to be too hard um, it'll create some you know some responsibility so you know we, the decisions that we're making will be able to be tracked and we'll be able to tell whether they're right or wrong um, so that may change a little bit uh, as far as um, as far as that relationship is with with agronomy, mm. but I but I think um, look out here, all the growers have really really strong relationships with their agronomists, and and I, I must say um, that we, we we're very lucky we've got some very very smart guys in agronomy here. But in saying that, what's ha what's real quickly what's been happening is because of because of the growers have been so reluctant to really get in and, and, and start pushing his PA um, quest. And he's had, had so many issues with, with machinery and, and data collection and so forth. 
what's been happening is is the agronomy sector. So agronomists have now been have started to take that over. So they so, so they know how important that data is. Um, and so they've been actually going, setting up machines, um, setting up software, collecting data for the grower, um, which is not really sustainable for, for agronomy. They spend a lot of time, a lot of their own time, um, doing managing those sorts of things. Where really, when we when we spoke to all the agronomists, they all just said, "We, we just want the data. Just give me the data. I don't, you know, I don't care what it is. Just give me something, you know." That I can just I can just log on to and, and pull something off and go okay, I can do something with that. Yeah, right. Um, so it's a little bit of frustration there from the poor old agronomy part. I think there's there's no shortage of frustration in this space. I would say, I would say there's quite a bit of that. There definitely is, uh, and look, quite rightfully so. Uh, from what I've seen over the last long period of time, and it's it's you know it's a little criminal criminal what's what's happened to our to our growers not and. It, and I know we're at the sort of at the beginning of this precision ag um, journey, which could could go anywhere over the next ten or twenty years. But um, I, you know, in the in the rush and the pushing and shoveling and jostling for um, for position, the growers sort of been pretty much well left out in the cold. Um, and look, don't don't get me wrong. There's 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 plenty of precision ag courses you can go to. Um, and 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 sit and but the, the, the and, I, and I've been and and also presented at and facilitated many courses over the years and looked stared at looked at a lot of blank faces because a, a grower doesn't really know. Do you yeah. think that's because it's not um, done in an engaging way? It's not hitting the mark. Like it seems like that, <clears throat> if if done well, would would help. Like is is a solution. Look, really, the last one I went to was fantastic, absolutely fantastic for me, uh, and, and it um, jolted my memory on quite a few things. But before a grower can can really understand what data density is um, or data standardisation, he, he really needs to he really needs to know be how to get himself ready on his farm. So he needs to know. But, you know, guys are talking about importing this layer and importing that layer, and most girls are going, "I can't, I can't even generate one." Layer. So right. it it sort of tends to miss that that mark. But nobody wants to go back and say, "Okay, this is this is what we're going to do. We're going to all hold hands here and sing kumbaya, and we're going to go right back to the start. We're going to walk through these steps, and we're going to make sure that everything from right from when you walk into your office in the morning, that everything's as easy as it possibly can be. Right. Um, so what's, what's, um, what's one piece of advice you'd have for um, a, a grower in this space to kind of get started, like a practical thing they could do? And, and I guess same thing on the kind of startup or technology side, what's one piece of advice you'd have um, for, for that audience? Know what you've got and know what your capabilities are right now before you decide to go any further. So by that I mean, know what you what you've got in your in your office space, know what the machinery that you ha you have is capable of, um, know what it will integrate with and what it won't integrate with, know what software you have, um, learn how to um, to manage well, well put a 
put a, um, a data standardization strategy in place uh, and, then, and then work from there uh, and build slowly on, 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 on what you're doing. Don't, don't expect that you're going to be able to move from where you are to a precision ag operation from one day to the next. It's quite a, uh, quite a long journey. Yep. And for the startup side or kind of tech developer side, what advice would you have for them? Um, keep your keep your keep your mind open and 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 don't don't be um, influenced by developers. So uh, and and tech and software builders, stick to what you know and um, explore all your options because there are many 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 options. But educate yourself. Know what you're talking about when you talk to a software developer, so you know what he's saying. And he's not your doctor, so you don't have to do exactly what he tells you. <laughs> Sounds like you've learned some uh, <laughs> lessons on the product management side. Expensive lessons, Sarah. Yeah, Expensive. Yeah. Yes. I've yes. heard that and felt that pain before as well. Um, mm. Actually, promise my last question for you, Anthony. How would you um, like even introduce yourself? How would you describe your current role? Because you're clearly wearing a number of, of hats and involved in quite a few projects and initiatives. Yeah. Um... We do cover quite a little bit. Look at my favourite role and, 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 the, and the number one role that I hope that we will always have is boots on the ground. So really, really working closely with, with growers and uh, helping them get started and, and then obviously mentoring them and, and helping them, providing that support that they haven't had um, through their Precision Ag Quest uh, that's that's my favourite part of things. We also, you know, cover software development and and some research and um, and uh, you know a number of other little umbrellas there. But I think um, where we are, where we want to be, is at the at this stage is really at the start in in at the coalface with the growers and sitting in it with with them in the office and bashing our heads against the table together. <laughs> Hopefully not for too long or, or too hard. And so that you and that we in that sentence, is that IAG or is that um, wearing a different that, hat? That's, that's IAG, yeah. yeah. So that's where IAG, we, we haven't moved from that space. That was our, that was our um, idea to start with. That's where we knew we had to be. I don't think there's anybody else really in that space. Um, and I think the fact that I've had both the dealership um, experience and and the software development experience um, puts puts me in a fairly good place there. I can I truly can understand where um, where growers are coming from when when they vent their frustration, uh, especially especially in those interviews that we record. They they're quite entertaining. <clears throat> I bet I bet that <laughs> there's some like funny. Uh... Um, insights there and some some social media worthy uh, frustrations. To we, we, we have some we have some characters. There's no doubt about that, uh, Sarah. <laughs> cool. Um, thank you for for talking to me. I know we kind of went all over the place there, um, but but I learned a few things and and definitely interesting to hear your perspective. Clearly, have tons of experience in in this space. Um, mm. so appreciate you hearing the insights. No, look, thanks for having me. I've, I've, I've enjoyed it immensely. I could talk about it for another two hours. It wouldn't yeah. worry me in the least. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thank you for joining us on another episode of AgTech So What. You can stay up to date with the latest episodes and news at agtechsowhat.com. And as always, if you have any feedback or other guests to recommend, we'd love to hear from you. Just hop on the website and leave us a comment or send us a message. Finally, if you like what you're hearing, and we hope you do, please share the podcast with a friend or leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening. Catch you next time.